Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Rick. It is really an honor to be here today. Um, as Pastor Dave said, the last two services, I'm the newest pastor on staff here at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne, and I am blessed to be here. And, uh, I'd like to pray real quick before we jump into our study today. God, thank you. We thank you that we've been able to come. We thank you that we can worship you in a place like this. We thank you for our country, the freedoms that we have. God, today I would ask humbly, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we might be able to see. God, give us ears to hear. And God, I pray that we'd have hearts to be willing to do what you tell us to do. God, I pray that you'd fill me fresh with your spirit, Lord. Help me, God. Lord, I pray that we, your word would be opened up to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. We are studying the book of Daniel, right? Last week when Pastor Dave suggested we're going to be studying the book of Daniel, I'm sure there were some of you that went, Daniel? Daniel, that's my brother's name. I didn't know that was in the Bible, you know? And uh, Daniel is an incredible book of the Bible. It's so unfortunate that many people have never read or studied the book of Daniel. And we have the opportunity to go through God's word together. The book of Daniel has so many practical keys for life in it. I mean, last week as Pastor Dave focused on the idea of living godly in an ungodly world. Do we need that or what? In the book of Daniel, God reveals himself to mankind in ways that we don't see hardly anywhere else. He opens us, he shows us his character, his abilities, his nature. And not only that, but in the book of Daniel, God reveals the future. We're going to see several series of visions and dreams and, and messages where God talks about the, the future of the world that we have seen come to happen in the past, but is still coming to happen in our future. And I would say we are on the cusp of it right now, that these things could happen in our lifetime. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying through the book of Genesis. We just finished the, the story of Joseph. and you, Many of us know Joseph and his dreams and the coat of many colors and all that. God spoke consistently throughout the Old Testament through the use of dreams and visions. We see it over and over again. God spoke to Jacob, to Joseph, to Pharaoh, to Gideon to Isaiah, to Ezekiel, you know, to the prophets throughout the Old Testament, he spoke through dreams and visions. And, of course, God's the same yesterday and forever. And in the New Testament, he spoke to John, to Peter, to Paul, to Stephen. I, I mean, the whole book of Revelation is basically a vision that John received from God. And the Scripture says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, it says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Now, sometimes people say, well, that's not for today. But if you know your scriptures, you know that Peter quoted this in the book of Acts. In the last days that we are living in, 
Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. It speaks for us today. In the world that we live in today, we need a word from God. And God wants to speak to us. And God will use all kinds of different ways to speak to us. Personally, I'm a dreamer. I mean, I don't like sit around and daydream. I'm not that kind of dreamer, right? And I don't, you know, I don't think I'll have big dreams like, oh, we're going to do this. But I dream at night. And my wife says, I dream a lot at night. And she says, Rick, you run in bed. You're, you know, like a dog when it's dreaming that goes like this, you know. She's like, you know, you keep running in bed. She wakes me up and, and she keeps threatening that she's going to get our camera and she's going to video it and put it on Facebook, you know. I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> Most of my dreams are just crazy stuff, though, you know. But I have had two significant spiritual dreams in my life. One was when I was working at the Space Center and God was directing my life as far as my job went. The second one was in 2022. God had spoken to me that I was done in Peru. And that if I stayed, that I would be in the way. And God confirmed his message to me through a dream. You see, God still speaks to his people today. And he wants to speak to me and to you. Now, with that being said, we shouldn't be people that chase after dreams. Right? We should seek the giver of the dreams. In the same way that it's wrong to worship the creation rather than the creator. Right? We, we should not, you know, seek the gift and not the giver of the gifts. We are to what? We are to seek God, not dreams. And God will communicate to us the way that he needs to get through to us. So with that, we're going to start Daniel chapter 2. In the second year of his reign... Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. You know, we might think, you know, this must be like a, a nightmare. His mind was troubled. I, it, it was so, you know, maybe it was a recurring dream because it said he had dreams. But there was something about this dream that, that troubled him and woke him up in the middle of the night. And this is a significant dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. And, and it's, it's amazing when you think about it. Nebuchadnezzar is a heathen king. And God gives him this, this dream that's going to lay out the future of the empires of the world. Verse 2. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell them what he had dreamed when they came in and stood before the king. So this would be like the president's cabinet today. You know, if, if something goes on in the world, something happens, the president will call his cabinet members in, right? And they'll come and stand before him. And, and they are, you know, supposedly the smartest people in our nation, right? They got the PhDs. They got the letters behind their names, you know, and, and they come to give counsel to the president. That's who these guys are. Astrologers, magicians, enchanters. They're, they're, they're supposed to be connected to the gods. They're not only supposed to be smart, but they're supposed to be able to reveal secrets in the spiritual realm. Verse 3, 
He said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. You know, it's like, no big deal. We do this all the time, you know. Just tell us your dream. We'll tell you. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was, if you mark in your Bibles, I, I would suggest you underline the phrase, tell me. Nebuchadnezzar is emphatic about this. We are going to see, tell me, tell me, tell me. This is what I have firmly decided, he said. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. Tell me the dream. Right? He wants them to tell him what it was that woke him up. Can't you imagine? The, these astrologers, you know, if you tell me, how am I supposed to know what you were dreaming? Why? Right? And what Nebuchadnezzar says is if you can tell me the dream, then I know for sure that you can interpret the dream. Right? They're supposed to have a connection with the gods. You know, and, and if they have a real connection with the gods, can't the gods tell them the dream? You know, that's what he's saying to them. You remember the story in the Gospels where the, the man was brought to Jesus and he was lowered down from the roof, the paralytic, remember? He was on the stretcher laying in front of him. And Jesus looked at the man and he said, you know, your sins are forgiven. Remember the Pharisees, they kind of freaked out. They're like, what are you doing? Only God can forgive sins. Remember what Jesus said? He says, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? And he says, so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins? He said, rise up and walk. And the man picked up his mat and walked. Right? In the same way, if, if they could tell him the dream, it would be firm evidence that they could interpret the dream. And so that's what he's asking for. I think what we really see is he's saying, I don't trust you. These, his cabinet, these advisors. I don't know if you remember, but in 605 B.C., when Daniel and the royal, you know, princes came to Babylon, in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar was fighting Pharaoh Necho at Carchemish, a significant battle in that time. And, and he was fighting Pharaoh Necho. He defeated Pharaoh Necho at Carchemish. And he got word from Babylon that his father, the king, had died. And Nebuchadnezzar, you know, hustled back, ran back to, to Babylon. 
where he was welcomed as a hero and he was crowned king. This is like two years later. Most scholars believe that these advisors are holdovers from his dad. And he does not know if he can trust them, right? He says, you know, I'll know that you're telling me misleading information and wicked things. So he wants to know, are these people I can trust? Verse 10, the astrologers answered the king. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Wrong answer. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar has ultimate authority and power. You don't say, no, Nebuchadnezzar. Wrong answer. Now, they did get something right. Right? They said that only the gods, actually it's God, can reveal dreams. Verse 12. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. And this is his character. Right? I, I don't know if you remember the story. In 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, we see where the, the the city of Jerusalem falls to the Babylonians. In, in, in the last chapters there, um, King Zedekiah, the, the king of Judah, he and the royal princes are trying to escape through the hedges, and they're running, they're, they're trying to escape, and they're approaching Jericho when the Babylonians capture them. And, and, and the Babylonians, as they bring him back to King Nebuchadnezzar, they take the royal sons, and they slaughter them right in front of King Zedekiah. And the next thing that Nebuchadnezzar did was pluck out the eyes of Zedekiah. The last thing the king saw in his life was his sons being slaughtered in front of him, and he couldn't do anything about it. Next week, we're going to see what? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. This is the character of Nebuchadnezzar. He's known as a cruel Violent man with unlimited power. There is no Supreme Court to say, no, you cannot do this. When Nebuchadnezzar said, it came to pass. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, this is going to happen. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Remember last week, that's part of what Pastor Dave talked about. You know, that when we're living in this ungodly world, the, the way that we interact with the authorities, right, that, that we need to, to interact with our bosses, with our community leaders, with our, our authorities, with wisdom and tact. Verse 15, he asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. 
So he goes and he asks Nebuchadnezzar for time. Time that he could interpret the dream. And, you know, as I was studying it, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and in my mind I'm going, why in the world did Nebuchadnezzar not blow up at Daniel when he blew up at the other enchanters? You know, he, he didn't say, you know, he said, I need some time. I, I, I think the reason is this, right? Those guys said, this is impossible. And Daniel walked in, and he said, I will interpret the dream. Because he was trusting the God of the impossible. That is what we call walking by faith. He did not know the answer when he walked in there. But he knew he served the God of the impossible. As we walk through our life, we need to understand that we serve the God of the impossible. The scripture says there is nothing too hard for the Lord. You, you know, last week, one of the takeaway verses, one of the most important verses in last week's um, study in chapter 1, remember it said that Daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself with the world, with the king's delicacies, right? He firmly decided. Today, we need to understand that we, through the circumstances of life, when the things are hard, that we have to walk by faith, knowing that we serve the God of the impossible. Right? And that's where we walk in, that truth that God is in control. Verse 17. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. This, again, is really an important point for us to understand. You know, when the task is big, right, when you don't know what the answer is, when you need wisdom, we need to pray. Right? Isn't that what we did, you know, like two weeks ago? When the church, we had prayer week and we gathered to pray. We, we brought the needs of, of the church to the body. We brought the needs of the, of the nation to the church. We brought our personal needs and we laid them in those bowls and we prayed. We went to God who does the impossible by faith. And that's what we have to do in our life. I don't know what you're facing today, but God does. We must walk by faith, trusting the Lord who does the impossible. I, I think it's important for us to notice what he did. He went and got, I'm going to read them in, Israel, in, in Hebrew, right? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. His friends. He had what we would say prayer partners. Find someone who will pray with you. Someone who will stand with you in these hard times. Then when you're facing things, you know, you, prayer is part of spiritual warfare. Right? We are entering into that spiritual battle. It is not wise to go into battle by yourself. Right? To have someone come alongside of you. 
that when things are hard, you can go to your brother, your, your sister in the faith and say, would you please pray with me? I don't know if I'm going to have the rent this month. Would you please help me go to God? My child is wandering. Will, will you please help me? I just got this report to have someone that would pray with you is so essential, to stand with you. God answers. Verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and season. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You've made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Can you imagine the excitement as God reveals the dream to them? I, I mean, we see Daniel break out here in, in what I would say is spontaneous praise. You know, as God moves in his life, it's just like, you know, a thousand hallelujahs. <laughs> you know, he's just rejoicing what God has done. These verses here, verses 19 through 23, these four verses, we could actually spend the whole service in these verses. These verses, if I could, I would like to give you homework. That this week, you would take some time to read verses 19 through 23 in your quiet time. Meditate on these verses. In these verses, God reveals so much of his character to Daniel and his three friends. As you read these passages of Scripture, God will reveal his character to you. It's almost like the doctrine of God here. I've got 54 verses to cover today. And so we're going to go on. But I'd love to get your responses to your homework, all right? I won't grade them. It's okay. Verse 24. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. And said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. He's like, I got him, man. I got the guy. You know, I found him, right? Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mysteries asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Hallelujah. Right? Praise the Lord. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I, I, I think it's essential for us to think about this for a moment. Notice the difference between Arioch and Daniel. I found the guy. I got him. I'm the guy that found him, right? Daniel says, there is nothing special about me. But there is a God in heaven that reveals mysteries. 
He's giving all the glory to God. He doesn't have any agenda. He's not trying to gain a position. He's standing before this heathen king. And he says, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in your bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. Right? I, I would call this predictive prophecy. Right? He is going to tell the future through this prophecy. Right? In, in, in the book of Isaiah, God declares to the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 46, verse 10, he says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. You know, prophecy is one of the things that authenticates the word of God. Because only God can do this. Only God can tell us the end from the beginning. Only God. When I quote this verse, it's kind of strange because when I just kind of quote this verse when I'm talking with someone, I often get it mixed up, you know, because it, it's he can tell the end from the beginning. But sometimes I say he can tell the beginning from the end. And that's pretty miraculous as well, right? Because our scientists today can't tell us how things started either. Only God can do that. And only God can tell us the end from the beginning. And he does. He lays it out here. He lays it out for us. He lays it out for Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 30. As for me, this mystery is revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Daniel's humility is so evident here. Right? He says, not because I have greater wisdom. Right? God reveals this to Nebuchadnezzar because he wants the king to know. And God wants us to know. Right? God, do you remember in, in the New Testament, remember Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I tell my friends what happens is going to happen before it happens. Remember, he told them many times that he was going to go to the cross. He told them, you know, he was going to go to Jerusalem, that the, the chief priest, you know, he told them what was going to happen before it happened. God reveals himself and the future to us. It's incredible how many people will live and die and never read the book of Daniel where God is revealing himself to us and telling us the things that are going to come. We need to read God's word, y'all. We need to get God's word in us that we might know it. 
Verse 31. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous statue. I'm sorry, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces, and it became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar's reaction? He's like, dude, that's it. That's amazing, you know. His mouth is on the floor. You know, he's like, wow. But what does Nebuchadnezzar know now? Nebuchadnezzar knows that Daniel will give him the proper interpretation to the dream. I have a slide they're going to put up here for you. This slide, is a, it, it, it outlines the dream for us, what we see. The statue, of course, we don't know what the statue looked like. What we're told is it has a head of gold, a chest of silver, right? The, the belly and legs of brass, or thighs of brass, and then the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. You know, that's what the Scripture tells us. You know, you can go online and you can find... I, I told the, the production crew, you know, you could use the Statue of Liberty. You know, we don't know what the statue looks like. We just know it has these characteristics. And God is trying to communicate something to us through these characteristics. Right? And, and so what we notice about what we have so far, because it's not interpreted for us yet, this is the dream. This is what Nebuchadnezzar saw, was that, you know, you look at it, you got the head of gold. Silver, brass, iron, iron plus clay. As we go down the statue, the material becomes of lesser value, right? They become of inferior quality, right? The gold is the, you know, the, the most valuable of all the materials. Well, there's an inverse relationship to the strength of the materials, they're getting less valuable as they come down, but they're getting stronger as they come down, right? So we have the iron is stronger than brass. The brass is stronger than the silver, and the silver is stronger than the gold, right? How many of you have had a, a ring, you know, a gold ring, and, you, you know, you're playing the drum, and, and then your ring is no longer round because gold is so soft? Let's keep going. Verse 37, your majesty... You are the king of kings, the God of heaven, has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar's going, yes, I like this dream, you know. <laughs> That's what he wants to hear. The bad news comes next. Verse 39. After you, your kingdom's not going to last forever, 
Nebuchadnezzar. After you, another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, that will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it. Even as you saw iron mixed with clay, as the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. This dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Praise the Lord. So we have a second slide that that fills in the information alongside of it. Daniel says that this dream, the different parts of the body, represent the coming world empires. And he says, you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian kingdom, you, king, are the head of gold. And he says that nation is going to be replaced by a second empire, which history tells us the Medo-Persian Empire. Right? And, and, and then it says that's going to be replaced by another empire, which we know is the Greek Empire. I, you know, I, I'm not like this huge history buff. I, I mean, I like history. I read history books. I, I know history because I study. Right? When I was in Peru, there was a young man that started coming to our church. He wasn't a Christian. He's really smart. He liked history. So I started talking about prophecy. And I told him about this. And he went home and he read the book of Daniel and he came back the next week and he said, Rick, it's exactly what happened in history. The Greek empire, the the empire that's represented by the brass is replaced by the Roman empire. If you you read in the scriptures here, remember it said this, the bronze empire, the Greek empire, that it was going to fill the whole world. You remember that is... Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, when he had conquered the whole world, he returned and he sat down and they said he was depressed that he cried. I've conquered the whole world. What else can I do? At the age of 26, I think it was. Each of these nations, Babylon went in and and he would take people out, but he didn't crush the places. If you remember Persia, King Cyrus, they believed that Daniel, when Cyrus came and conquered Babylon, that he took the prophecy from Isaiah and said, here is your name and our prophecy written 
hundreds of years ago. And the Persians, they didn't totally destroy everything. They sent people back to their nations. Remember, that's where they, Ezra and Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the temple after the Babylonian Empire, 70 years after they went there. The Greeks, remember Alexander the Great? He wanted to conquer the world by having the Greek language and the Greek culture be everywhere. Rome, iron. Right? You get the, the term the iron fist. They came in and they smashed things. Wow. So we see this. There is so much more in this prophecy, right? Again, we could spend all day looking at this prophecy. You know, the, the two legs, the eastern and the western side of the Roman Empire, all these different things that we could go through. We don't have time. I encourage you, study your word. But it doesn't end with the empires of man. Remember, God says, but there is this kingdom that's coming that I hope that you are looking for because we are citizens of a kingdom that is coming. Remember, it says that there is this stone that's cut out of a mountain without hands. That's symbolizing that it's not done by men, right? That God himself is going to establish the kingdom of God that will last, what's it say? Forever. That's what we're looking for. I, I believe that we are on the cusp of it today. That at some point, the kingdom of God is going to be established in our world. Verse 46. Then the king fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. This is so important for us right here. Notice Daniel has, has he's lived his life not seeking glory for himself. Right? He, he, he was actually living the scripture that Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Remember Jesus said to me and to you, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what happened here. Nebuchadnezzar, he is not taking any glory for himself. He's saying, I'm nobody special. I, I'm just the guy that God wants to use. Right? He says, only God can reveal these mysteries. And the result of that Nebuchadnezzar gets a glimpse of God. God reveals himself to Nebuchadnezzar. He reveals mysteries to Nebuchadnezzar. God has revealed himself to man. And I want to tell you that God wants to reveal himself to you. The scripture says it clearly. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants us to know him. He's given us his word that we can know him. He has sent Jesus 
right? In, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, in the past, I spoke by prophets and, you know, men, but today I speak through my son, Jesus. And we look to Jesus to see the character and the person of God. He has revealed him to us in a way that we may know him. The idea that we live our lives to bring glory to God is essential to us as Christians if we want to reach the world. You know, the mission statement of our church, it says this, we exist to glorify God by being a loving community where people are saved, set free, discipled, empowered, and sent out to fulfill their God-given calling. In our staff meetings, Pastor Dave has been going through the mission statement with the staff because we're self-evaluating. Right? We went through, we exist to glorify God. And we said, do we? Right? Is that what our church exists for? Do we exist to glorify God or do we exist to make a big name for Calvary Chapel? Right? Do we exist as a pastor, as a staff, to glorify God or to make a name for ourselves? As an individual, do me, do you exist to glorify God? During prayer week, if you weren't here, on Thursday night, one of the guest services guys came up and spoke. His name was Jay. And Jay said, you know, I'm just a guy. That's all we all are. I'm just a guy who wants to serve the Lord of Lords. That's our purpose in life is to glorify God. We exist to bring glory to God. Are we doing that? Right? That's what in our staff meeting, you know, and then where's, you know, are we loving community and so on. Verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. I, I, I got two things I want to close with as, as we end here. So I'm running out of time, okay? First, if you're a believer here today, God wants to speak to you, right? It, you know, we live in a crazy world, right? People are telling us that because of climate change, our state is going to be covered over with water, right? We're being told that tomorrow World War III could ignite, we're like, who is coming across our borders? Are we safe? And we're just going, can I pay my rent this month? I want you to know that God is in control. He loves you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to reveal himself to you. Put your trust in him. Seek him. He's promised to provide for your needs. He's our hope in this crazy world that we live in. If you're a non-believer here today, 
One of your friends brought you. You came in here, maybe because it's raining outside. I want to tell you, I want to ask you a question. What are you going to do with this? The, the, the statue that we had up here, the, the history that has gone through the past is undeniable. It, it, hundreds of years ago, they used to say, there's no way that Daniel wrote that. That could not have happened. That had to have been written like in the Maccabean times. There's no way. Wrong. It's been proven that Daniel, the author of the book of Daniel, prophesied before any of those things happened. It's not the only prophecy in the Bible. If you're here and you don't believe that there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets, what do you do about predictive prophecy? Let me just give you one more, okay? I don't know if you remember the story. I think it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem. They're, they're walking out of Jerusalem, going to go up to, to the mount, right? And, and they're walking through, and the disciples look over, and in my mind, it's on their left. It could have been on our right, right? But they're walking down the street, and they see the temple, and they see the walls. And the disciples remark, Master, look at that. That will be there forever. And Jesus said to them, what? I tell you the truth. A time is coming when the city is going to be surrounded and that not one stone will be left upon another. You know what history says? Jesus was right. 40 years later, 70 AD, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. Now, you, you might think, well, of course that's what happened. Well, it's not, of course, that's what would happen. I, I don't know if you realize this, but not all places of worship were destroyed by conquering armies. You have the pyramids in Egypt. They're still standing. I, in, in Peru, we have Machu Picchu. Still standing. The temple in Jerusalem, demolished to this day. And of course, it wasn't just Jesus said it's going to come down. Jesus was specific about the way it would come down. I mean, it said that it was surrounded. Did we pull down block by block or stone by stone? Think about it. There's a lot of ways it could have been destroyed. I mean, you would think that they came in with their battering rams, their, their machines, their, you know, the armies had in the past, and they'd a boom, just knock the walls over like that. No. That, do, do you know that it, history tells us that the commanding general, Titus Vespasian, he commanded, do not destroy the temple. The temple is destroyed. Right? That there was an errant, fiery arrow shot. And it caught the wood inside of the temple on fire. And the fire turned into a raging inferno. And it melted the gold on the top of the temple. And that gold ran down the cracks of the stones that were the temple wall. 
And the greedy soldiers, wanting the gold, tore the, gold, the stones down block by block, just as Jesus prophesied, so that not one stone is standing upon another. Praise the Lord. If you don't believe that there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, what do you do with that? I could go on for hours about prophecies that have been fulfilled. And you know what? The scripture says there's a prophecy coming. And that prophecy says that one day, every one of us in this room are going to stand before a holy God in judgment. What are you going to do? The Bible is clear. It, it, we know it. That there is no one righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. When we stand before God in his holiness, what are you going to do? I have really good news for you. Jesus died for your sins. The scripture says this in 1 Peter 3.18. It says that Christ has also once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. He suffered in the flesh and was raised in the spirit. God has made a way for you. Our part is to receive it. The scripture says that to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you don't believe that there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, what are you going to do with that? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for my brothers and sisters, the family that's here. God, those that may be going through a really hard time like Daniel was, standing before a violent and a cruel king. And God, we're standing in a violent world, wondering if we're going to be able to pay our bills. God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would turn their eyes towards you. God, your word says for us to, to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. God, I pray that, that my friends would be able to do that this week, that they'd be able to come to you with all their burdens. And God, that you would reveal yourself to them. And God, for that person that might be here today that has never trusted you, Father, I pray that they would open the door of their heart and let you in. God, I, I pray that by your spirit that you would convict them of their sin and their need for you. That they would realize that there is judgment to come and you would draw them to yourself. God, that they would understand that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And they would pray say, Jesus, come into my life. Please, I need you. Save me, Jesus. Change me. 
need you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand? Look, I want you to know, you need to understand this. We will have prayer counselors down forward. If you prayed today for the first time and asked Jesus to come into your life, tell somebody. The scripture says that we are saved by believing that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. And that what? That we confess with our mouth that he is Lord. And I would ask you to come forward. I would ask that you would come forward to be prayed for. That's what we're here for. We would love to counsel with you, pray with you, to help you start this journey. If you're one of my brothers and sisters in need, come. That we could pray for you. We love you. You're our family. We would be willing, the prayer counselors would be willing to be that prayer partner for today that would help you in your prayer. With a thousand hallelujahs, we magnify your name. You alone deserve the glory, the honor and the praise. Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours. A thousand hallelujahs, a Look, God is moving. If God is speaking to your heart, don't say no. You may never have this opportunity again. I encourage you. Prayer counselors, you can come forward. Pray for those that are in need. If you have a need, come. Praise the Lord. I want to remind you, the prayer counselors are here, whatever need you have. Outside in the commons, we have the connect ring that you guys can go and, and meet with pastors. You can, you can talk with people about groups. You can find out information. I encourage you to go. I also want to remind you that there's an opportunity to give up on the slide, you see, you can give through the app, online, texting, in person. Um, we encourage you. As the Lord leads, as the Lord leads, feel free to give. God bless you guys. I pray you have a great week. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday or the next time. 
Um, don't forget the, the family fun day. See the missionaries outside. God bless you all. Have a great week.